On this week's episode of the XI Network podcast, we look at identity issues at Arsenal, discuss how long United should give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to build his team, and look back at all the results from the latest weekend in the English Premier League. All that and more coming up right here on the XI Network podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the XI Network podcast. That's a, this is a voice you probably haven't heard in a while. I am your host, Chengiz Khan, and with me today is Justin Borrow. I found him. You did find me. You found it me on hard. the skip. It was I was hard. trying to leave. <laughs> a bit. Yeah, so just to explain my absence from the podcast to the um, seven of you listening to it. I'm just kidding. Uh, we appreciate it. Each and every one of you, don't worry. Um, yeah, I've been away. I've been actually trying to engineer a move away from Justin because there's only so much time you can spend in the presence of a Manchester United fan, unironically. <laughs> so, in amongst other things like, you know, changing my life and the rest, this is minor details. It's mostly just to get away from the United fan, really. I think that you can sympathize with that very easily. I don't have to explain myself any further than that. Um, but the last three weeks have been uh, busy, on my end, I've had four hours of spare time in the last three weeks, and uh, most of that's been spent trying to catch up and sleep. But I'm here now, I'm here to do another episode, and we're going to be talking about a game that happened involving Manchester United and Liverpool. But first, we shall be giving you a quick fact right after we talk about Sheffield versus <laughs> Arsenal. Don't worry, the fake facts are coming back. Don't worry. About I, it. I hope so. I was going to say that's the one thing I've missed most about you not being on the pod. I mean, as great as it's been doing shows just with you know Peter, and uh, uh, it's it's definitely not been the same without your your fake bullshit facts. So I've, I'm, I'm excited I, that you're back. I'm I take offense to the fake facts because that's actually just the company name of the fact providing service that I pay a subscription <laughs> to. It doesn't mean any. It's like hundred. You know when you see in Hero Burgers, hundred percent real beef. <laughs> the company name is 100% real beef. It's not got anything to do with the content, but same deal. You I know, just because it says fake facts, just because it says fake facts doesn't mean it is. I think you know? you're, I think you're getting ripped off for those 99 cents a month subscriptions. So it's <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. Anyways, we have football to talk to, talk yeah. to, talk, talk about <laughs> to talk to. We're talking to football. <laughs> We're talking to football. We have called football, and the verdict is in. Manchester United fans are scum. Anyways, <laughs> Sheffield upset Arsenal. What now, is going on there? I have to ask, because let's be honest, Sheffield United have been on a pretty decent run of form this season. They haven't looked bad. They've, they've taken Not bad it for to, a promoter team. They've taken, it, uh, they've taken it to some of the big-name clubs. You know, they took it to Chelsea. Um, they they've kind of stood up to these these bigger clubs and said, look, we're not afraid of you. So I, I don't know if I would necessarily call it an upset, especially with you know Arsenal and the way that they've been playing and how they've been so hot and cold. Uh, it, it wasn't really a, in my opinion, it wasn't really a, a massive shock result. If anything, I think that United drawing Liverpool was a was a bigger shock based on sort of current form. Right, right. I mean, when I just remember our game against them, uh, not last week, I think it was a week before that, or th two, three weeks ago, uh, we went to Sheffield and we barely, barely came away with a win. It was not a fun game to watch. They were very energetic. They were very well drilled, very 
solid defensively and uh well i didn't unfortunately didn't see the match today but it seemed like it was more of the same today and no disrespect obviously to liverpool because uh they've been on an amazing run of form this season but their um their win there uh was also off of a just a terrible goalkeeping error by dean henderson yes other than that i mean if he doesn't fumble that ball you know through his legs um that that game is not gonna go in liverpool's favor uh, so no, I think that not. that's also something to look at just when you're looking. It wasn't like Liverpool, you know, dominated and were, it, it was really a, an evenly balanced match. And, and mm-hmm. minus that goalkeeping error, you know, it, that result could have definitely gone differently. And I haven't seen anybody nullify the front three as well as they did since Napoli, to be quite honest. Maybe they had a look at the Napoli game and, and adopted some of the tactics because Salah was marked out the game for the most part. Mane was trying to do his best, but he kept running into uh, players. And then Firmino, you know, Firmino is very good at Firmino is very good at creating space when he receives the ball, but he wasn't receiving the ball, so he was practically invisible. And like you were saying, it did take that little bit of luck. So you do have a point. I don't think maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this. But then again, this is Arsenal. They have. A much more expensive squad Mm -hmm. they have a european cup winning manager um and yet uh it seems to be same old same old for them what's going on i think the the best way to look at it in just in regards to that match the matchup today is that on paper absolutely an upset i think in context of the league so far this season uh, a little bit more justifiable or or easily easier to believe um just like i said because of the run of form that sheffield's been on um but yeah i just i think right now arsenal is just lacking an identity um i think that you know unai emery just seems to kind of be out of ideas um the squad just has no cohesion uh and they just you know minus abemayang um they just don't really seem to be able to have any attacking prowess um and you know yeah it's it's fine that they can sort of you know set up defensively and and for the most part you know hold teams to a, a one goal but that's but one defensive mistake and, and you know it burns you and that's exactly what happened um you know just a, a terribly defended corner today um yep. and uh it led to a goal and after that they just they, they couldn't seem to get any attacking prowess to go ahead uh and sort of penetrate you know a, a really well defended Sheffield United team uh and I so I think the biggest issue right now with Arsenal is identity seems but it's, it's is that is that even it's a perfectly fair thing to say, but also, is it acceptable to have this 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 problem? A, for so early on in a brand new season, and B, after having the same manager for now, near as makes no difference, 18 months. I don't think it's acceptable, no. Uh, I think that he's had enough time now to sort of implement his style of play and, and sort of help to create that identity at Arsenal. Uh, and it's just not working. Uh, and I, I think that we're seeing the same sort of issue with some other squads, um, you know, squads like this, uh, like Spurs, where uh, it, it, they seem to kind of be losing their identity. Uh, I feel like with Arsenal, the situation is a little bit different, where uh, he's just never been able to sort of implement that identity or create one. Uh, but his and- thing is, it's not like he's definitely shuffled the personnel around a lot. Like th- there is still elements of Wenger's squad in there. Um but it, by and large, it does seem to be an Emery squad, and Emery squads win titles, but they're not winning games, let alone being in the mix for titles. So, is there is he is he too stubborn? Is he like what do you think is going wrong for Emery at Arsenal? I think part of it is stubbornness. I think that he uh, 
he's a sort of my way or the highway kind of manager. And I feel like, mm. you know, it's just, it doesn't work that way, uh, especially in, you know, today's day and age of football. Um, and so it's just one of those things where um, I, I just think that they, you're right, he's been able to shuffle up some of the personnel, but I just don't think that the, the personnel that he's brought in, you know, even Obama Young, as great of a player he is, you know, if he doesn't have the um, delivery from the wings, uh, he he's not going to be able to be as dangerous. And I think that that's what, you know, and, and one of the things, just to kind of talk about that as well, is that I feel like a lot of the players that come from Bundesliga um, just don't translate very well in the Premier League. And we, we see that right now with Christian Pulisic uh, in Chelsea. Uh, and I think that that's another issue as well, is that we're seeing sort of uh, an Abema Yang who's, you know, maybe 60% of what he was uh, when he played for uh, for Dortmund. Uh, and I think that's just not, it's just not translating. And, and that's another massive issue. Possibly, but he did show the golden boot last season. Fair. Um, but but you you make a point in that regard, but I feel like just on a, on a whole, it's just, it's not bringing the team together enough um, to, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's the biggest no, yeah, issue yeah, is that, right. yeah, you might, you might be leading for the golden boot. Fine. But where did Arsenal finish? You know what I mean? It's Look true. at where they finished in the table. It, it, it wasn't enough, right? The team itself didn't come together. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. you could have a, a 20, 30 goal goal score on your team. No problem. But if your team is not able to, to, to hold down results or, or sort of come together when they need to, to ensure that the, the, the progression of the table, then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I think that's a, a huge issue. It is going to be interesting to see how they respond to this loss. Um, Arsenal are playing once. <laughs> Should have this up. Uh, Arsenal are playing Victoria SC in the Europa League, but Crystal Palace at home, which should be an interesting game. And then shortly after that, they'll be playing Liverpool at Anfield. They've got a lot to think about, it's fair to say, in the next few games. And uh, they, have to, they have to find solutions quick because they are going to be in a world of hurt. Do you see, do you see Emery losing his job if results like this continue? Like, will they, will they stick with him? And, and, you know, give him an, a full season to sort it out? Or will they pull the plug immediately and try and find a successor? Uh, I think that... Because Allegri, Allegri is available. Yeah, it's tough to say. Um, but I, I, I think that they should at least give him the season to sort it out. Uh, if by the end of this season nothing's changed and they're still sort of, you know, scraping by for Europa League uh, placement or worse, um, you know, if they fall down into, you know, out of your, uh, you know, Europa League, then I think that... Um, that's when you're going to sort of see um, a very quick change in that regard. Uh, but yep. I, if it was my my decision, I would leave him for the season, let him sort it out, see because that that way, then you can put all the blame onto him. You give him the right. season, it doesn't work out. The team, you know, still isn't producing results. Then you can say, look, we've given you know, we've given you time. Exactly, we've given you enough time to to create an identity, to bring in the team that you want, to, to implement the strategy that you want, and, it's and not we working. gave you. And we gave you transfer funds. We gave exactly. you we gave you resources. We gave you everything that you yeah. wanted, and it's not working. So you're not the right man for the job. And at least that way, then the the blood's kind of off of the hands of the board. Fair enough. Uh, so let's move it on to the next one. Speaking yeah. of the right man for the job, Brendan Rodgers and Leicester in third. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a as a Liverpool fan, I, I knew he was a good manager. I didn't think he'd be able to do it again so quickly in the EPL. I really thought. This Leicester team was a good 60 to 80 million pounds away from being a top four team. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, that's what the top four teams are spending now, including Tottenham, even though they're not in the top four. They did spend 65 
million pounds plus on a midfielder. Um, and it's surprising to me that I, I know he did do a surprise. He did do a little bit of investment in the summer into the squad, but for a manager to come in basically on his first full season, having only been there for what, what seven months now. Yeah, you know, he's, no, he, he's got uh, them. He's got them. You know, best of the rest. It's looking which is pretty like impressive. Looking like he made a good decision. Um, it's looking like he made a good decision to. Uh, sorry, we're just having some tea there. Um, but um, you know, leaving uh, Celtic when he did to uh, come over to the Premier League and sort of uh, give it a run. And uh, he's yeah, he's 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 sort of revitalized this Leicester team. And you know, I, after they won the Premier League, you know, a couple years ago they were kind of looked at as a one-off, you know, they were going to drop right back to mid table side and Mm -hmm. that very well might still happen. But as of right now, the run of form they've been on and they, they look good and they look like a team that could, you know, I don't think they're going to challenge city or um, city or uh, Liverpool for, you know, one and two this year, just because I mean, those two teams are just stacked beyond measure, but I I do think that they have a very good chance of, you know, fighting for top four and actually securing it. Uh, And I don't think that's something that we could have said at the beginning of this season before the season kicked off. Uh, And so, yeah, good on Brendan Rodgers for, for stepping up when he needed to. And, and for, you know, showing that he was the right man for the job. Absolutely. Now, of course, Leicester beating Burnley, yes, oh, Saturday, sorry, 2-1 with goals from Jamie Vardy and Yuri Tillemans. Uh, nice to see a Vardy in the papers for the right reasons this weekend yeah. <laughs> after after the, <laughs> the scandal involving the other Vardy. So um, can, can I just quickly make a comment about that? So sure. uh, on Saturday, <laughs> I was down at the TFC, Toronto FC uh, playoff game. Uh, and uh, Rooney was about to take a corner kick down on the supporter, uh, the TFC supporter section. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking across the way, and what else do I see but a bunch of fans with giant Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Vardy cardboard cutout faces waving them as he's trying to take this corner kick. Uh, I I thought it was hilarious. That's and amazing. So it was, yeah, it was just great to see the uh, the scandal, to, you know, translate all the way over the pond. I'm so, I'm surprised you weren't one of those people holding up those uh, holding one of those up because you know he didn't say hello to you that one time. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it, uh, and I'm I'm I was actually gonna go uh, not to get off topic here, but I was gonna go down to meet him again um, this time, but I, I decided against it. And I'm so glad I did because from what I heard, from what I heard, he, uh, he ignored the press and didn't talk to any media, jumped right back Mm -hmm. on the bus. And apparently he left for, he left DC today. Uh, and went right back to the UK. So it seems like he was definitely out done. Um, and he'd had zero interest in, um, anybody or anything to do with this, uh, this league or these people, you know, these fans. So, uh, I'm very glad that I did not waste my time to go and try to meet him again. Fair enough. I mean, uh, he hasn't really said a whole lot about the league, but I guess actions do speak loud in the words. Now, going back on topic with Leicester City, yes, a little trend that's that I'm just been uh, noticing is very similar to to the Liverpool season where we nearly won the league in thirteen fourteen. Is there's a lot of shots, but not a lot on target. Yeah, uh, accuracy is definitely something that's going to have to change in that regard because what's going to end up happening is you're going to find that there's going to be a lot of games where you drop points uh, and, uh, you know, you might nail off 20, 25 shots, but if only, you know, two or three are getting on target, um, you know, your your chances of scoring goals is going to be a lot lower and you're going to end up with a lot of, um, you know, But at the same points. time, at the same time, the philosophy for, for Brendan Rodgers' teams at least is just to get get going forward and just figure it out when you get there. And if they're taking shots, that's a, that's, that's a sign of positive football. It's a sign of attacking football. 
and you know with you know Leicester Leicester players aren't bad they definitely have quality they definitely have a Jamie Vardy and now you have Yuri Tillman uh chipping in there with a couple every so often they definitely do have quality to finish but they just seem to be lacking that clinic clinicism clinicism clinicity what's the word that clinical finish let's just go with that they're lacking that clinical finish to to really put the game away but you know despite that they are getting results they are third tied with chelsea um on points and uh they're, they're flying i guess yeah, I mean, you know, they can just uh, not make silly mistakes at the back and, and you know, give up late uh, penalties or, you know, uh, late set pieces, which, you know, have robbed them a couple times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they gave that, that silly penalty against United a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, and they Liverpool. Gave up, and I was going to say, and the Liverpool one in the, the, you know, the, the dying embers of the match there. Uh, so if, I feel like if they can sort of get that part nailed down, they they have the attacking prowess to to definitely hurt some some teams uh, in this league. And I, I think that, like I said, a, a top four finish is not unrealistic right now looking no, at how this league isn't. is going. Um, I mean, that being said, a United finishing in a relegation spot is also looking like a possibility right now. And, that's and nothing, nothing would give me greater joy than to see Manchester United 18, Everton 19, and then possibly Newcastle 20th because i don't know if i would just... ever be able to show my face again uh in a united jersey uh or even watch football anymore i think that i would be permanently scarred from from watching well, so here, here's my take on that um you know you are a good person with a great heart justin and it's a shame to me every day when i wake up in the knowledge that a very good human being has given themselves to manchester united now typically liverpool fans are not the most welcoming towards reformed united supporters not that there are many but they you know they very much have the opinion you've made your bed now lying it and die irrelevant and alone but in this case i'm willing to make, make an exception if united get relegated will you wear a mohammed salah jersey i would be willing to to take that bet right now i'm i'm confident in my team uh that it's not going to happen so i will make that bet right now that if uh united get relegated i will wear a mohammed salah jersey not only will I wear a Mohamed Salah jersey, I will wear it every weekend of the Premier League for the entire season. Oof. That is a promise. Okay, we're going to hold you to that. Episode 36, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Make well, sure you guys write that yeah. down. <laughs> I, feel like, just, I feel like we're going to get, if, if that happens, knock on wood, it doesn't, we will get a, an email, just ask it. And I will prove it. I'll make sure I post it on the XI Network Twitter page uh, every weekend. So... I will uh, I will ensure that the um, that the bet is upheld because I truly do not believe it's going to happen. I think that there's a a, a lot uh, a lot that United are going to be able to do over the next couple of weeks, and I think that the next transfer window is going to be huge for us. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We will definitely get to that. We do have to talk about Tottenham. Ooh. You know, just continuing to struggle. But before we do that, did you know that the Mac in Mac and Cheese? actually stands for mac and cheese <laughs> what like <laughs> mac and cheese mac stands for and mac and cheese so you're saying mac and cheese and cheese mac and cheese and cheese it's kind of like pin your yeah uh, pin your number pin number yeah it's your or non-bread personal identification number. or 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 uh chai tea chai tea <laughs> yeah, that will it's... never not be dumb to me mac in mac and cheese stands for mac you know what hey it makes sense i buy it i'm in i'm sold also sold me. also 
Also, it's uh, it's it's instructions too. Mac and cheese and cheese. Yeah, More yeah. Cheese. You know what? Hey, honestly, dude, sign me up. Subscribe me to this fake facts website. I'm in. I've, I'm sold. I'm sold on the. I'm I sold said on it the was the name of the company. It doesn't mean anything to do with the integrity of I mean. the information. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold on the integrity now. You you've sold me. Uh, so you only buy stocks with Bitcoin, and I invested ten years ago when Bitcoin was a thing. So good uh, luck. smart man. See, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't touch that stuff. <laughs> no, clearly not. Anyways, let's uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about Spurs. Um, so, so for those of you guys who have been listening, uh, so as you guys know, Peter Robinson is actually currently in England. Uh, he was at the Spurs match on the weekend, watching uh, them draw. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, really quickly before we jump into it, uh, so I said on the the pod last week, I said, could you imagine if somehow Watford beat with how terrible Watford's been? I said, if somehow Watford end up beating Spurs while you're there watching the game, and he said, you know, he would burn the stadium down. And then I think what five minutes in Watford score, and I remember just immediately having to text him and being like, I was just kidding, I was just <laughs> kidding, like. <laughs> I was I was very afraid for the new uh, White Hart Lane. I definitely thought that there was going to be some serious vandalism from mm. uh, one of our Canadian friends. <laughs> no, he's too Canadian for his own good. He would have he would have made an angry face and then <laughs> quietly exited the venue. And then he'd write um, a strongly worded letter. <laughs> no, I don't think he'd go that far. He'd, he'd probably put it into perspective and calm everybody around him down because Canadians are peacekeepers, and our Peter do. is the same. He's the except most Canadian for. Of them all. Except for when they beat uh, Ajax last season. Then he was very American about oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was so unbearable about it, you'd think he was a Liverpool fan. Hey, hey, Sorry, we're left into this game. Yeah, so Tottenham this season, sitting in seventh, last five games. Two wins, two losses, a draw. 12 points from nine games. 15 goals scored, 13 conceded. Talk to me. What's going on with them? Honestly, I it's hard to say, and it's kind of what we talked about with Arsenal, but it's, it's looking like the identity that they had, they're beginning to lose. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's if it's a Pochettino issue. I don't know if they've just sort of checked out of, of his philosophy and if um, they're sort of uh, have run away from it. Um, but they just there there seems to be just absolutely no cohesion on this team. Uh, Lloris has looked terrible the last couple of weeks, and then even that that play uh, where he you know was was unfortunately injured, um, you know it just was a was a terrible decision that he made, and and it led to him obviously hurting his elbow. And uh, you know we hope that he gets uh, better quickly. But just yeah. in in in. To- in the grand scheme of things, uh, Spurs just, you know, they're a team that you you can't trust. Uh, and I think that this weekend was the perfect uh, sort of proof of that. We had a team like Watford who are, you know, winless in nine games, uh, look absolutely just dreadful. Uh, and they come in and look like uh, a middle-of-the-pack, you know, maybe even like top eight team against someone mm-hmm. like Spurs. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, on the whole of the game, Watford outplayed them like 100-1. to one. Um, and I, I think that it's just a situation right now where Spurs are just not a, a team that, you know, they don't believe in themselves at this point. Um, you know, you can't trust them. Uh, and, and I think that they just are, are lacking. Um, and and you can't say they're lacking quality because they have the quality. If you look at the players they have, they're a stacked team. 
Um, yeah. But they're just the the quality that they should be showing on the pitch is just not translating. And I think that it's time to start looking towards Pochettino and, and wondering if, you know, there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of players who are, you know, towards the end of their contracts. They don't want to renew. They don't want to go back to Spurs. Um, they're not able to leave. And we've seen a lot of that this past offseason. They are an aging squad as well. They are aging. Uh, and I think that, you know, some of the eyes have to turn now to Pochettino on the board and wonder if maybe they are... Uh, so here's, you know. here's the thing that's that's kind of strange to me. You know, they, they had an, you know... I'd say a generally okay-ish start to the season. So they beat Aston Villa at home, 3-1, very good. Uh, drew Manchester City at the Etihad, 2-2. Lost against Newcastle at home, not great. Drew against Arsenal at Emirates, very good. Uh, walloped Crystal Palace at home. Drew away to Olympiacos, which is a very good result. Um, lost to Leicester City at King Power. Then they crashed out of the the League Cup to Colchester, but they did, they were playing a League Cup team, so to be expected. Then beat Southampton, and then this could have been the straw that broke the camel's back. It was Tottenham two, Bayern seven, at White Hart Lane. Yeah. Like since then they've lost to Brighton three nil, and now they've drawn with bottom of the lead Watford one one at home, and now tomorrow. They play against Red Star Belgrade. Now, admittedly, that is at home, but then literally like five days later, they are playing Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I feel this like tough. The, the Bayern game was definitely a... And I just want to go back to the Colchester game because, yeah, it's League Cup, but I mean, when you look at... And we talked about this in that, that podcast, so I'm not going to beat the, the, the horse too much, but when you look at who they had finishing on the pitch, they had Mora, they had Ali, they had Son. Um, no excuse for them to lose to a League 2 side like Colchester. League Cup or yeah. not, there's no excuse. Um, and, you know, I, I know that everybody says, like, oh, it's the, I don't care about Cup, like, nobody cares. That's fine, but we're still looking at a team that has zero trophies in their trophy case, uh, and I feel like they need to take every Cup seriously, um, even the, well, the investment They haven't done enough investment in the squad. They're, they're, Absolutely not. But like, it just, feels like... It feels like Pochettino is forced to play one system because he doesn't have the personnel to rotate and try new ideas out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's taking the, the the optimistic view of the whole situation. The more pessimistic view is that Pochettino has given up. Um, you know, he made some comments before the Champions League final that if he won, he would leave. Maybe he's already mentally checked out. Maybe he's got his eye on Real Madrid or United. We don't really know. You know... You want to blame, like, in situations like this, in a, in a bad run of form like this, sometimes you blame it on a one-off, like Bayern beating them seven seven goals to two is, you know, you definitely classify that as a one-off. That's an anomaly. But now it's affected them to the point where they lost against Brighton and they've drawn against Watford. So now it's a team morale issue. And if it's a team morale issue, it comes down to the management. The management's not good enough. Management's not motivating the players. Management isn't negotiating the mental... Uh, toll of of that one game from Bayern Munich. Maybe this is just a culmination of the last 15, 16 months of Tottenham Hotspur, which has been on, on the whole fairly troubled, footballing wise. So I feel like there's a lot of different factors at play, and I really wish Peter was here to talk about this, and I'm sure when he gets back he will be speaking at length about that, assuming you know, of course, that 
uh, Tottenham keep on struggling, which I personally hope they don't because they're the only other team in the league that can take points off Manchester City. So we need them back at their best, please. ASAP, 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 ASAP. Um, I, I think a good analogy, not to cut you off, sorry, is, is kind of like a, um, a card house, like a playing card house. Mm. And the sense that, you know, they were building themselves up, you know, they, they were looking stable, but it seemed like they're just... It, any sort of um, you know sudden change in wind was just going to kind of knock them over, and I feel like that's what happened. Was you know this was a team that was punching above its weight, um, yeah, you know, and they've really been was. punching above its weight for a long time, and I think now they're kind of getting dragged back down to earth. And because they were punching so high above their weight, this is seeming like a like a huge shocker. But I really right. think that when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, and and who Tottenham Hotspur are, you know, they still are a, a small club in in retrospect. Um, and, you know, as much as they have grown vastly over the years uh, and are, are becoming, you know, I still think that they've they've been punching way higher than they should be. And so I feel like now what we're seeing is sort of that that balance from being way higher than they should be and now looking right at them being the exactly. And so I think so that's somewhere in the middle is where you're going to find the, the true Tottenham Hotspur. And I mean, this uh, this is an interesting situation for Tottenham because. You know, Pochettino has shown the standard that you can achieve with the resources that are given. You know, if he walks, which he may very well do, I don't think he's happy there. He's definitely not happy with the investment he received, even though he got a very good midfielder. But, you know, you, you need more than a midfielder and, and one from, from Ligue 1 at that. You need a couple of world-class cogs to make that, to, to push that team to the next level. I mean, Christian Eriksen still has it. He's definitely going to gonna be a world-class player for the next four or five years, but he can't do anything if the people in front of him and the people beside him, for that matter, aren't to the same standard. So, you know, for so I understand why he wanted to leave. He feels like he could be doing much more in a team with more stars around him. He could, he could be challenging for honours. He should be in part of a title-winning squad. That's This is not a title-winning squad. And if he doesn't get this investment he needs, Pochettino then not only will he walk, then everybody else will walk. And just to go back to my original point, Levy might be shooting himself in the foot by conducting himself in this way because he's going to be judging all other managers forward based on what Pochettino has achieved with actually nothing. It's almost like they were transfer banned for so long. It feels that way, but it was sort of self-induced. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like one of the sort of catch 22s of being a team, like I said earlier, that was punching above its weight was that in Levy's eyes, he didn't need to invest. He thought that he had yeah, all of the yeah. tools right there to sort of, you know, bring this little club all the way up to, you know, Premier League champions. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, there were times where it felt that way. Um, you know, uh, there, there were times where it felt like, you know, there was a very good possibility that uh, Spurs were actually going to possibly challenge for the title. Uh, and I mean, that quickly fell apart. But I feel like that's sort of the catch-22 there is that by by doing so well for so long with what they had, he didn't see the need to invest. Uh, and but I feel you always like had reminders too. You always had reminders, you know, whenever Kane picked up a muscle injury or was suspended, you know, you had a huge Fernando Llorente-sized brick playing at number nine. And yeah, he did okay, but he wasn't Harry Kane good. You know, Christian Eriksen spending time away from the main starting 11 suddenly the the midfield had no creativity Hyun Min Song either away on national duty or injured there's no outlet on the wings luckily Lucas Moura comes in and, and solves that a little bit but 
the 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 problems have been very very clear about their depth for so long like i feel like levy's not paying attention to the squad he's only paying attention to the to the um the checkbook at the end uh, of the day absolutely and i think that's one of the things that you know levy's been known for um is for his frugalness um and uh, the, uh, one of the biggest gripes you hear from spurs supporters is the fact that you know he's he is uh frugal uh in that sense um but i mean at Look, they've they've done it really well for what they've had. Uh, they've, like I said, they've they've definitely raised the profile of their club significantly. But now it's time to start actually getting results. And and look, at the end of the day, like I said, if those results means that you go on and you win the league cup, then you go on and you win the league cup. Mm. Um, and and but you, you need you, silverware, anything. Exactly, you take the victory for what it is. You put the trophy in the trophy case, and then you move on. And then from there, maybe you you focus on the FA Cup. Uh, and then you know you can still put your eggs in the, the, the Champions League basket and for the, the Prem. But I feel like right now in the day and age that we're in with, you know, just how good Liverpool and City are, you have to look at those those sort of smaller victories um, as your kind of starting point. Because look, yeah. if Pochettino goes on and wins the, the League Cup and even say the FA Cup, then the, the talk that everybody was having about, you know, this team really being, you know, contenders continues to go on. Even yeah. if they finish third, fourth, even fifth, for example, in the league, you know, that conversation at least gets brought up. But the fact that they just, they haven't won anything, um, it, it's it's all smoke and no fire. And I feel like there's only so much of that that you're going to be able to take before people are going to say, look, this is actually bad. You know, yeah. the fact that they're, they're, they're doing all the right things and making it, you know, deep in these tournaments like Champions League final, uh, but they're not walking away, away with anything. And unfortunately, you know, nobody remembers second place. Nobody remembers second place. And that's, so true. Th- that's the the biggest issue right now is that, you know, Spurs kind of seem to continuously be that that second place team where, you know, yeah, they're doing great things. But at the end of the day, you know, people are going to remember the victors and, and they haven't been those victors yet. And they need to get on that first. Uh, and like I said, start small uh, and it's, go it's, from there. It's really, it's really shocking to me that there isn't some sort of clear consensus at the very top level of that club because... If the ambition is to continue, if the ambition is to wear, win silverware, you start your full strength eleven at Colchester. You just do it because yeah. you can't afford to go out at the third round or whatever it was. Yep. You know, and, and Colchester or whoever, Accrington Stanley, or even if it's Liverpool, just fucking play your best eleven and get the result. But if you're content with pootling along, keeping your revenue streams very consistent, and that means maintaining a certain position in the Premier League table, then you start the team that you did against Colchester and hope for the best, and consider that a bonus if they get anywhere. And that, I feel like, is, is what is ticking off Pochettino more than anything, is because the overarching goals and the overarching vision for the club seems to be done by committee rather than sporting excellence. Like financial committee, not uh, you know sporting committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's uh, yeah, it's just it was a weird decision, um, and I I don't like this idea of you know playing your entire academy squad against these lower league teams. I understand it's why, disrespectful. but it is show some respect to these teams. Uh, I mean, you know, we had that great run by as much as I know you hate them by Millwall last year. You know, you had Newport County mm-hmm. going on that really exciting run. Um, I think that was FA Cup, if I'm correct. Um, but I mean, stop disrespecting these lower league squads. I don't think the, um, the golfing class is as big as it used to be. I think that it mm. is closing. Uh, we're seeing some of these lower league players coming up to the premier league and, and demonstrating that they, they have what it takes to go toe to toe with these big clubs. 
Mm-hmm. Look at Sheffield United. Look at Leicester City. Um, look at, you know, even not so much right now because they've been on a pretty bad run of form. But, I mean, even Norwich for a little bit was showing, you know, signs of quality. Um, and also Liverpool have made a point of, like, signing lower league players. Yeah. And, I mean, and look at teams like Sunderland who, you know, were in the Premier League and, you know, were kind of a uh, middle of the pack team and are now fighting in League One. Um, right. So it's it's one of those things where you know I feel like the golf and the that 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 sort of um, difference in, in 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 quality as as much as yes it does exist and I'm sure that if you took a Man City and put it up against uh, a Colchester United even a, a a complete reserve squad it would just be a blowout but um, I don't think that it's that different as it used to be and I think that teams are sort of starting to see that now and they're they're getting burned by it and it's embarrassing. I mean, the headline that Colchester beat Spurs, regardless of if it was the EFL Cup or not, uh, is just, it's an embarrassing headline for any, you know, top Spurs four team. Him. Well, any top no, it's four true. team. It's very true. It's very true. But uh, let's, uh, I, w- I want to talk about this more when Peter's back, yes, obviously. Sure. But let's talk about the main attraction of the weekend and why we wake up in the morning every, <laughs> every morning. It's United versus Liverpool. And... Um, Ole's at the wheel. I didn't realize he was still driving the same Mourinho car, but uh, he clearly is, and that's what happened. We had a park-the-bus defensive display. And, okay, well, you know what? You talk about this, because I, I, I'm struggling to understand why this was a good tactic to use against Liverpool in the first place. So, look, this is the way that you have to look at it right now, is that United... I love them to death. Biased. Uh, They are a good team. They do have quality in their side. I think that what Solskjaer did was he looked at his squad. He looked at his team. He looked at the players he had available. He looked at their run of form. He looked at Liverpool. Liverpool is a vastly better team. And I think that what happened was Solskjaer saw that. He uh, accepted that. And he set up his team accordingly. And I think that, you know what, you have to give him some credit there. Because A... We uh, took points off of Liverpool, first team mm-hmm. to do so this year. Um, we had a, a much better performance as a team. Um, we we looked a lot better than we have in the last couple of uh, matches. Um, and I, I feel like you have to give him some credit to say, look, he, he looked at what he had. He looked at what they've been doing. And he accepted United for what they what they were at, the, at that moment and, and what they are right now. And he played accordingly. And I think it worked. Um, I feel like for the majority of the match, you know, we, uh, we kind of, you, you, uh, I almost said Spurs, uh, Liverpool didn't really have much. I mean, you know, there was very, uh, the crossing into the box from, you know, uh, Robbo, uh, and, um, you know, Robinson and, uh, uh, Chamberlain, uh, just was absolutely was dreadful. And there was, there was no service. Uh, and they just couldn't seem to string anything together. And I feel like uh, Liverpool really was missing Salah in a match like this. More than that, I think... The Sorry, Arnold. We... Uh, Alexander-Arnold, not uh, yeah. not Chamberlain. My apologies. No, it's all good. Um, more than Salah, because Salah gets triple marked every time he comes to Old Trafford. And rightfully so, because you triple mark Salah if you want to have a chance of winning the game, quite honestly. Um you know, people want to say, oh, Salah doesn't perform at Old Trafford. Well, have you seen why? <laughs> you try performing when there are three people on you. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're into that kind of thing. But that's not this kind of podcast. <laughs> Anyways, um, Salah being not there, that was a big miss for sure. Because 
when Salah draws in defenders, one of Mane and Firmino's free. And if either of them have the ball, you're screwed. If mm-hmm. either of them get a little bit of space to run into, you're screwed. But they played five at the back. Salah wasn't there. And more importantly, who I would have considered his direct replacement wasn't there either. Shakiri. Origi is not a Salah replacement. He is not a front three replacement because he does not play creatively. He's a finisher. He's a poacher. He's somebody who runs in behind. He doesn't create plays. He's not that good with his feet. Shakiri is a creative midfielder who can play wide. And he's got a bit of pace on him too. Plus, he has a knack for scoring against Manchester United, as we saw last season. So, <laughs> to not have Shakiri, I think, was the bigger loss because Origi offered pretty much nothing that entire game. He had Mane out on the right. Um, he was just marked out the game completely. They put two, three people on him. Firmino didn't get any reception in the middle. And like I said, for Firmino to do anything, like like I said before, for Firmino to do anything, he needs to have the ball at his feet. He never got the ball at his feet. And if he did, it was to pass it immediately back to the player that played it towards him. Um, I'd say we were terrible. By all metrics, we were... We looked like we were shell-shocked. We looked like we were playing the fixture rather than the team in front of us. And that's what I was going to say, was that I think that the, um, the sort of fear of uh, Old Trafford... Mm. Um, you know, being this big, scary fortress um, sort of um, kind of got to them. And I, I think that that showed, unfortunately. Um, but it's strange because we don't have any, like, I guess the only other bogey team we have is Napoli. And we, we never do well against Napoli at Napoli. Um, which is strange because Jurgen Klopp always likes to fashion this, he's fashioned this term and used it quite a few times, the mentality monsters. Well, if you can't go to Old Trafford and at least, at the very least, play your normal game, then what are you doing? Like, if you can't do it on the biggest stage, like, I'm sorry, I, f- I consider match the United-Liverpool game to be the single-handedly biggest fixture on the calendar. I was more excited for this than the Champions League final, I'm not even going to lie, because it's just the history and the rivalry and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. And we played it's... like dog shit. Yeah, um... I agree with you 100%. I think that United were the better team. Um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to take that back. I think that Liverpool did not play their game uh, for 85 minutes. Um, mm. However, that being said, um, as soon as Liverpool scored on the 85th minute, uh, the the last sort of nine the minutes belief of came the back. game, yeah. you saw a completely different um, Liverpool team. Um, we also that- had a completely different midfield too. We had Ox, we had Keita, and we had Lalana. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, it showed. And I feel like you know, for the last few minutes there, United were just hanging on for dear life. Uh, and I honestly thought there was a few moments there. The um, there was a few moments there where I was a hundred percent sure that we were going to uh, concede a goal and, and end up losing the match. Mm. Um, but thankfully, they held on. Uh, we on the bright positive notes, we took points from Liverpool. Uh, we defended well. Um, you know, yes, we parked the bus, but at the end of the day, look, like I said, we, 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 we played with what we had and we played against what we knew was coming to us. Um, and, and that's not a sexy way of playing, but it, it's, it's effective. And at the end of the day, that's the key. The key is to pick up points and to win football matches. And so if you have to park the bus and play on the counter, then that's what you have to do. Uh, and I know that it's, it's weird to see for a, um, for a team like United, who we expect to, to attack, especially at home. Um, but like I said, they did what they had to do. Uh, and I think that, you know, 
uh, Solskjaer lives to fight another day because of this result. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty at times, but at the end of the day, the positives, we took points. On the negative side, we're still sitting in 14th, um, three points out of uh, from Norwich, uh, who are sitting in second last. Uh, and so we are technically right now in a bit of a relegation battle, uh, which is not fun to look at. I mean, it is. It is a. It is. It is good that there are positives to take away from the game at all, considering you know this is a very poor Liverpool side. There should have been more goals, to be honest. Like the, the, there was a good performance. There was a good middle. The middle of the game, I'd say from thirty to about sixty-five, seventy, United probably could have scored more or done more. Um, do you feel like at 1-0 they tried to settle or perhaps they were just a little bit, you know, in shock themselves that they even had a lead against Liverpool? I th- I think so. Um, and I, I mean, just to kind of touch on what you were saying there, like, I feel like the fact that there's any positive takeaway at all is a, is a, is a positive in itself because, you know, over the last couple of weeks, um, there have not, or I mean, even the last couple of months, uh, there mm. have not been hardly any positives to take away uh, from this team. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'd say they were shocked. Uh, I feel like, you know, given the occasion and, and you know, um, the, the rivalry, I think that it was, you know, I think that United are still a team that believes that they are one of the world's best. Uh, even though they're not showing it right now, I, I think that they believe uh, in that. So I, I feel well, like... The culture of the club is really hard to get away from. That's what I mean. And so I feel like, you know, culturally, they still see themselves as that. And um, we're still seeing it in... Um, we're still seeing, you know, the way that Solskjaer talks about the club, saying that, you know, he still believes that we are. I don't know if mm-hmm. he personally believes it. I, I think that, you know, for the media, he he puts it out there. But, you know, I, I think that he... Uh, so I don't know if I would say they were they were shocked. Uh, I think that, you know, they, they do expect to score. Uh, but I think that um, given the current circumstances of this team, uh, it was shocking to see them go ahead and go ahead so quickly. For sure. No, absolutely. Um we're going to talk about that VAR instant or <laughs> I, was, I was raging about that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, look, you and I have very different differing opinions on this. Uh, I think mm. that it would have been absolutely ludicrous to, um, to call that a penalty or to call that uh, a foul and call it back. I think that what VAR has shown us so far, at least in the Premier League, is that um, very rarely will the referee's original decision be overturned uh, unless it's um, unless it's super, uh, super clear and obvious. I think that that was sort of up to interpretation. I, I don't I didn't see the contact. I thought that if there was any, it was very slight. Um, and so I think that just for VAR looking at it, I think they kind of had the same viewpoint and said, look, to, to call that back would be uh, a bit um, conscientious. Um, yeah, contentious. contentious sorry. Contentious. And uh, oh, dude, it's been a long day. It's been a long day, man. Um, <sighs> and so, better, better not ask you what the uh, name of the Leicester's owner is, just to keep your sanity in check. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So the the when that happened, I was kind of fuming because for me, he came in from behind. He made contact. That's a foul. It would have been a soft foul. I agree, but it's still a foul. You come in from behind. You didn't get the ball. He wasn't playing the ball. He was playing the guy, and he and he played him badly. So on that basis, I'd say it's a foul. The problem was that he was giving so many of those little soft 
contentious calls against us. You know, we we made twice as many fouls, I think, as as United did in the in the stats um, breakdown of it all, and half of them I was just like, that's just, this is just this is just United Liverpool. Let the, let them play, you know. Um, but the fact that he gave he let a lot of those go. He he let he let it go for United, but he gave them for Liverpool. The the inconsistency in the refereeing was very very apparent. I think that was the big takeaway from everybody, even the United fans on on online, is that Atkinson's refereeing was atrocious. But moving on to that VAR thing, you said right there, the the original decision will not be overturned, and that bothers me. What is the point of having a video referee to check for accuracy? If it's never used. Well, then I guess the next question you can kind of counter with is then what is the point of even having a referee in the first place? Just exactly. set up a ton of cameras, have you know a, VA, a couple of VAR officials, and they call the game. And you have one guy in the field who makes no calls and everything goes through VAR. I, like I mean, La in La Liga, it's for the objective true call. It's got nothing to do with, oh, clear and obvious. I feel like the clear and obvious rule is a complete cop-out to protect the current referees because they're so crap. Because they're not going to make a clear and obvious error. If they do not give a red card challenge, that never happens. That might happen once a season out of, what, like th 300 games or something? Uh, now, um, this is not me, you know, I'm trying to keep as much bias out of this as I can. Um, but let me ask you it this way. So, like you said, it was a soft foul. Sure, maybe it was a foul. It was a soft foul. The referee made the decision that it was um, too soft to call. Um, now they go up and United score. Um, so I think they also, and this is just my opinion, you also have to look at the gravity of the situation. Um, the goal is a, you know, is a game-changing moment. And then you have this moment here, which I think, in my opinion, was, you know, 80% dive, 20% foul. You know, I think he made a, a much more of a much more of it than the actual foul was. Uh, and so I think that they also have to look at that and say, you know, the referee made a call based on what he saw. It was a, a light, a, a soft foul. The player made a, a scene of it. And then, you know, United went up and scored. Are they going to take that goal away? Uh, you know, such a game-defining decision for a, a foul that, honestly, some referees may not have called. You know, some well, referees may have well, looked that, at it and said, look, again, soft foul, a bit of a dive, not going to call it. We see it all the time in football. For sure, but that, to me, speaks to more about the standard of refereeing and, and its inconsistency in England, especially, because if some referees will give a clear foul and others won't, then they're not all being judged to the same standard. They're all being let off the, the the hook a little bit. It's like, yeah, you can call it like this or you can call it like that. There's no agreed definition of what's a soft foul, what's a hard foul, what's a red card offense, what's a yellow card offense. You know, it's completely up to the referee. And I totally understand that refereeing should have a little bit of leeway. There should be, you know, referees are entitled to have their own personalities in their interpretation of the rules. But, you know when you i just i can't see how going through the back of somebody and not playing the ball soft or whatever if it, if it's to me that's a foul every day of the week if the situation was reversed i would have been saying that was a foul 100% like you go through the back of somebody you don't get the ball that's a foul even if you do get the ball is contentious at best you know i do see where you're coming from um i definitely think that we uh disagree on this this point um but, but I, I, guess, I, I, the, I think the bigger question is not so much that specific foul, but just sort of how what VAR, VAR is, is, is a, how VAR is affecting 
um, the game right now. And I mean, we saw a ton. I think there was five goals that were overturned uh, because of VAR this weekend. Uh, and I, I think that it's my, my fear for VAR is that it's going to turn into um, what we see in um, is that we're, it's going to turn into um, what we see in uh, the MLS right now, which is that it's more of a um, more of a, a problem than it is a solution. And mm. that's my, my biggest fear. And I really hope that we don't see that. They need to do it like La Liga, where basically the 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 on-field referee is completely independent of the VAR team. VAR referee will step in and say, no, you got that one wrong. Reverse the decisions. Like, make it about the truth, because that's what a review system is about. That's how they do it in cricket as, as well, in with Hawkeye and DRS. Um, same technology. Basically, if the, if the on-field umpire gets the decision wrong, it is overturned. You know, obviously you have to make it a challenge and you have there's a challenge system in place so that people aren't rushing the, the umpire every so often. But it's there and when it's used is to determine the truth, not as to not to defend a referee for maybe he could have called it this way, maybe he could have called it. I see the it's not about having a debate, it's about fi- it's about science, it's about finding the truth and moving on. And right now it's about eh, you know. He could have gone this way, could have, and that's not definitive, and that's not acceptable for the world's biggest league. I'm sorry. That there's a positive out of all the positive, like just to say that there's a positive at all is worrying for a club like Manchester United, is it not? Yes, it is, and I, I, I do agree with you, but I mean, look, over the last couple of seasons, United have not looked great. Um, you know, there's been glimpses of, of you know, good, but I, there's been nothing great. Um, and I think right now, when you look at the team that we have, you look at the squad that we have, um, there's, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. Um, I mean, look, they, they got rid of Romelu Lukaku. If Marcus Rashford gets hurt or goes on a cold streak, who the hell do you have to replace up top? Martial? Um, maybe, but I mean, even he is, is streaky at best. Um, and you know, when he, and that's when he's healthy, um, you know, when he's injured, it's a whole other story. Uh, you know, Pogba streaky at best. Uh, what are you going to do? Put Mason Greenwood up there. You know, Daniel James has been an okay run of form, but he's still super young. Um, sorry, Mason Greenwood. Um, you know, Daniel James is he's super young right now, but um, and he's been he looks good, but it's just it's not enough. I feel like you know, at least with Romelu Lukaku, as much as you know, he also was streaky. You had a a, a twenty goal goal scorer in him, uh, and I think that unfortunately he was just far too expensive to to be sitting on the bench, and he didn't want that for himself. Uh, and it's understandable, but uh, they definitely need to bring somebody in up top, um, you know, as a backup to Rashford, uh, who can produce results. Uh, and I think that we also, you know, Harry Maguire was a great acquisition, um, you know, defensively. But I still think that we're um, we're still missing a, a lot in midfield. Um, and if there's, you know, Andreas Pereira just doesn't cut it. Uh, like I said, Pogba is, you know, I don't even know what Paul Pogba is right now um, because. What about McTominay? You know, is he enough? McTominay is great, but he's he's just he's not enough right now, uh, and I, I think that you know we we need to fill we need to bring in uh, a strong forward. Uh, we need to bring in a strong midfielder, uh, and honestly, I think that even we could bring in one more defender, um, you know, to pair up nicely with uh, with Harry Maguire back there and really sort of you know give a fresh face to this team um, and, and really sort of secure them. Uh, now, in regards to Ale's future, uh, I think that he needs more time. Uh, Look, I do. I think that he's a manager who is punching way above his weight. Absolutely. Um, that being said, do I think that you know he has the ability to turn this team around? Absolutely. 
Uh, I think that he is uh, a good manager. I stand by him as a supporter. Uh, I like him. I think that, you know, what he, he represents the club uh, for mm. what they are. I think that, you know, when you think of um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and you think of his, you know, just his, his demeanor, you think of the way that he represents himself, he's, he's the complete opposite of a Jose Mourinho. Uh, and I think that for sure. know, he, he represents everything that is Manchester United. Uh, and I think that he just needs more time and I think he just needs a few more resources. I'm really curious to see what the January window brings for the team. If it sorry, a anything. few more resources. He spent 80 million on McGuire. Uh, absolutely. No, but I, I'm sorry. When I say resources, let me just kind of clarify that. I just mean, I think that, you know, he needs to use the resources he has a little bit more. Uh, you know, it was a pretty, qu- yeah, they brought in McGuire. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty quiet off season for the team, for a team like United who were on that really sort of bad run towards the end. Uh, you know, I know that there's been some talk about Mandzukic possibly coming in. Um, you know, I, I know that they are looking for players to come in to try to, you know, booster up the squad. Uh, and I'm curious to see what he does. Now, at the end of the day, look, if this team is continuing to, you know, fight for a 14th place spot, which I, I don't think they will be, um, I think that you're going to see very quickly that he'll be the first name on the chopping block. That's the way yeah. it works. That's the, that's the game, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I think that he needs more time. Look at teams like Arsenal. They've given Unai Emery a ton of time, and and you know nothing's happened. They've you know they gave Spurs gave Pochettino a ton of time, and and mm-hmm. you know mind you he has created some great results at Spurs. Uh, I think that you know Solskjaer needs the same the same sort of um, respect. He needs to be given you know, with, the time to uh, to implement what he wants with Pochettino and to an extent Klopp, I suppose as well. As well if we're going to count count them in in the, that same sentence, that same conversation. You could see what they were trying to do from day one. Like they had a very clear identity for the way they wanted to play football. And it was different, and it's what the club needed at the time. Now, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what I'm seeing, or just off the basis of what I saw with Liverpool and from what I've read online, is that they're just Mourinho 2.0 with a side more counterattack. Yeah, so no, what and is, that's what, the thing, right? We're still what looking is, at Mourinho's What's the squad. identity? Um, Right now, we uh, we don't really have one, and uh, it's it's frustrating to see. And I and I feel like you know I'm I'm being patient, and I'm I'm waiting to see if it if it turns around and if it changes. And uh, I think that you know that's a question that we need to ask ourselves at the end of the season uh, when we look at United and where they are and, and what they've done this year. Uh, and who knows, this conversation could be very different in a couple of months. Um, so I feel like right now, nine games in, look, they've been on a terrible run of form. Um, they've, you know, uh, this game against Liverpool, uh, was the, uh, least amount of possession they have, um, the second time or the second least amount of possession that they have had at home, uh, since 2003, uh, when the stat was recorded. Um, and so look, yeah, right now they're having a serious identity crisis. Uh, no one can deny that. Um, but I think that to pull the trigger so quickly, um, would be a mistake. And I think that you're just going to throw the, the club into even more turmoil. And I think now it's just about trying to stabilize the ship um, as opposed to sort of throwing a wrench in it and, and sort of starting from scratch. I think you got to see it out um, at least this season and uh, believe in the players you have, you know, believe in the, 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 the players that they hopefully will be able to bring in mm. uh, and, and see what the team can do. And then, like I said, yeah, at the end, end of the season, we look at it and then we can have this discussion. And I feel like depending on what United do for the year, uh, this could be a very different discussion in a few months. I'm all for giving managers time um, just because it worked out so well for us. And, and I know what, like Liverpool traditionally gives its managers time. Um, and I think United should do the same for Ole Gunnar Sol- Solskjaer. But 
you know, this board has other ideas. Ed Woodward has other ideas. Like, they seem to be playing a completely different game to everybody else at the club, it would seem. And, you know, you see, I think I think the, the fans have sort of started listening more and more to, to players like Gary Neville, who have been very openly critical of the board. You know, you had a Ed Woodward out banner flown across the across the field well across the field uh, <laughs> above the stadium um before kickoff so but you know you're you're unlikely to see wholesale change there anytime soon so it's it's a tricky one for fans it's it's definitely you know as a liverpool fan i'm i'm delighted at the current misfortune of manchester united but as a football fan it does concern me a lot and it is sad to see this great superpower of world football in the position that it is that it's in um and hopefully you know they turn it around soon and they can get back to annoying the shit out of manchester city because god knows we can't do it alone i but i anyway, hope so i hope so but anyways i think we, we're gonna wrap it up there um, yeah that was a that was a lengthy one but uh, was, that was yeah. a very in-depth look at some of the results around uh, the team do you have any predictions moving forward for Manchester United's next game uh, their next game against Norwich mm-hmm. uh, honestly um, relegation I, I, battle <laughs> I, I, it kind of is yeah I mean you got Norwich City sitting in uh, you know, second last uh, on 7 points you got United sitting in 14th on 10 points um, and yeah so it, it really is an important game um, I think that United are going to win it um, I'm saying that, you know, with a, a grain of salt that I'm going to throw over my shoulder uh, and tap on a lot of wood. But um, mm-hmm. I think that United does, I think United do have the quality to win that match. Um, I, I think that Norwich have not looked great. Um, they, you know, Timu Puki has kind of um, cooled off and uh, minus, you know, that massive victory they pulled off against Man City, they've kind of been non-existent over the last well, He hasn't cooled weeks. off for, for uh, Finland. He scored no. Nope. He did, yeah. Uh, but he's he's cooled off for for club at least so far, um, and so I think that it's uh, yeah. I, I think that United are going to win the match. Uh, I'm going to say comfortably. I'm going to say it's going to be um, a three-one victory for United, uh, and I, I'm hoping that you know it'll at least be a bit of a page turner, and and some of the eyes will um, be taken off of Solskjaer for the time being, so he can get back to focusing on no. trying to keep the the club going and and you know some serious positive momentum. So. They are away from home, mind. They are, yeah. You know what? Carroll Road is uh, is a great stadium. They got a great atmosphere there. Uh, but no, I'm not worried. I, I still think that, you know, as much as right now we're not looking great, we are a top quality side. Uh, we do have world-class players at our disposal. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, when we go toe-to-toe with a team like Norwich, um, I, I think that we are going to, uh, if we play... I don't want to say like we did against Liverpool because we parked the bus, but uh, if we play with the same cohesion as we did uh, against Liverpool, I don't see any reason why we won't be able to uh, to beat Norwich City. Fair enough. Bold call. Um, I, for Liverpool's next game, we're playing against Tottenham at Anfield. I was leaving aside the European fixture at Genk. Um, I fancy our chances against Tottenham because every single time they come to Anfield, and credit to them, they try to play football. And... That's the one thing you don't want to do against football, against Liverpool because they'll do it better than you. But it's always a good game to watch when it's like that. When they play, try and play football against us, I have loads of respect for whoever it is. Now, will they win? Probably not. 
Will Liverpool run away with it? Absolutely not. I think this will probably be a very close game. I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. And the streak will continue and hopefully Manchester City lose, but we're no, we know we're not we're, we're not going to see that for a couple of months. So one can hope. Anyways, that's it for this uh, week's episode of the XI Network podcast. Um, be sure to tune in soon enough. We're going to be talking about TFC in the next episode and their recent prevail triumph win against dc united shortly before rudy said see you later bitches i'm out of here (laughs) um yeah thanks a lot for tuning in and listening to us uh be sure to like us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast media be sure to leave a rating and comment and follow us on our network xi network uh social media channels on twitter on instagram on facebook i think it is too right xi network oh yeah Yeah, we're on Facebook because you know dead social media networks, right? We and we're are, old, man. We're we're old. We're in that generation. Please, that please like us on Facebook. So. Please like us on Facebook so that we can be so our football coverage can be interfered with by Russians. Um, <laughs> other than that, this has been Justin Morrow, buddy. I'm so glad that you are back. I've I've missed talking <laughs> to you about football. It's, it was a great episode, buddy. Thank it you. It is it is good to be back. And I am your host Chengiz Khan. See you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>